Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. I am your host, David Rethemeyer. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Abraham Chen. Abe, this week, this is an episode of our conversation series where we are joined by special guests. And who do we have this week? Hello, David. Today, we are talking with Sammy Cohn. She is one of our speakers uh, this past year, once again, at Apex. Uh, she also runs um, a ministry where she has done a lot of prolific work, all the way from her own TV show to uh, interviewing different uh, people and celebrities. Um, she has written a lot. I will let her uh, talk about her own ministry a little bit, but it was very um, insightful and cool to sit down post uh, hearing her talks at the conference and really dive deeper into um, how she uh, prepares herself, what she's learned over the years, and what questions we should be asking. Sounds like a fantastic conversation, but we'll let the listeners be the judge of that. With all that being said, please enjoy the episode. All right, here we are with Sammy Cohn. Welcome to the Unbound Podcast. We're so happy to have you on. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm really excited to be joining you and everyone listening and watching today. Thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, tell us about uh, where you just were. I know you were on a cruise <laughs> in a hurricane recently and all that. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a fascinating story. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit more. And yeah, what's going on with you? I feel like I feel like we should just leave it at that. I was on a cruise in a hurricane. This sounds like this sounds like a really interesting game of two truths and a lie. I was on a college campus. Yes. I was on a cruise during a hurricane, and I'm spending time with Mickey Mouse. But mm. but those are all truths. So yeah, I uh, I just got back from being on a cruise ship during Hurricane Ian, and as scary as that sounds, it was actually. Uh, a safe place to be. I was mentioning I, I lived for some time in South Florida and my mom and my aunt live in a, a mobile home there. And so ironically, I felt like the cruise was safer than where we were because a, a boat can move away from, from the, the storm and the, the dangerous spots. But, um, those in Florida obviously are in all of my prayers because you can't, you can, you know, you can only run so far. So, um, it was a nice time. It was really more to relax and spend time with my mom. And I'm just learning from those who are unfortunately starting to lose their parents. Um, people my age are, you know, that's just the fact of life. And so when those opportunities present themselves to uh, spend time with the people that you love and care about, uh, I think you have to take them. And I'll be the first to admit there's a lot of guilt that comes in. There's a lot of like, I should be doing this or I shouldn't spend the money or, but I think it's one of those things. It's like when people say, well, I'm going to wait till I have more money to to have a baby, you know, after they get married, it's like, you probably will never have enough money <laughs> to raise <laughs> a baby that you like the way you think you will. Um, and so when it comes to just, like I said, doing those things that are important, especially when it comes to relationships, um, it, you know, you just take advantage. And when you can, you know, use a Florida resident discount in a last minute code, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to get that, that deal. But yeah, so I did that and I was visiting my daughter, uh, for parents weekend at University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, which is where I got my master's degree. So it was, uh, really sweet to go back. Goodness, I guess almost 25 years later. Yeah. And, and see her there now. So that was really fun. 
It's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I did a little bit of research before this, and uh, I, I remember reading a lot about uh, the different things that you've done. I didn't realize, or at least uh, I mi- might have missed, that you had a master's degree. What do you have a master's degree in? So my master's degree is in communication studies, interpersonal and organizational communications, to be specific. And uh, I almost have a doctorate degree. I don't say that because I feel that kids kind of kept me from, I <laughs> see, I blame it on my kids. I, I haven't finished my uh, doctoral work in, in education, a doctor of education as well. But yeah, the, the master's was my way coming, growing up the way that I did uh, with my father was Jewish. I come from a long line of lawyers. And so believe it or not, I always felt like the black sheep in the family because I didn't go to law school, but it was kind of expected that I would go on and get a graduate degree. So I said, if I have to do that, I'm going where Michael Jordan went. And so I uh, went to to Chapel Hill and the scholarship helped. They have a great communications program. But honestly, um, that was my way of not, you know, not doing law, not doing business. But I think every every field, you have to be an expert in communication, right? That just helps. So I thought that that would apply. And luckily now I'm in a field of communication where I'm broadcasting and writing and and creating content online. So it it worked out okay. But yeah, that's always it's always good to be a perpetual learner, whether it's in the classroom or out of it. There you go. We might uh, have Dr. Sammy on the show in a little bit. So (laughs) exciting. Well, and you know, I tell my when I first worked, I worked at a university in Florida, um, after I was a tennis pro. So kind of in my in my mid 20s, I was working at a university down in South Florida. And I was the director of cultural arts. And I joked with my dad because I hadn't finished my doctorate. I said, if you take all the vowels out of director and squish it together and say it real fast, you could just say your daughter's a director. And so it kind of sounds like doctor. It's not quite. But if, you know, you wanted to make your sound better to your friends, it's it's somewhere in the middle there. <laughs> so I guess uh, that's a really good transition to just like uh, uh, update us a little bit on uh, the different things that uh, you're working on right now, especially for those uh, who may not have had the opportunity to hear you at Apex. Uh, just give new listeners an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you and uh, what you're doing at the moment. Sure. Well, I host uh, my own 30-minute lifestyle show on the CBS affiliate here in Nashville called the Sammy Cohn Show. And that came out of over a decade of doing TV and radio here in Nashville. Uh, I'm known as the the frugal mom, and I'm using air quotes for those of you listening and not watching because that that is my name. Uh, and that is really who I am. I've just always grown up helping people. I like to say helping people live better on less and make more memories with their families. So the show it takes that to another level where I always try to uh, share money saving tips, but also um, what I have found to be my passion. And I'm, I'm proud to say what I'm good at is doing what you all are doing now is, is interviewing people, helping to share stories of others uh, in unconventional ways. And what I mean by that is being here in Nashville, I get to interview a lot of, of artists, whether um, visual artists or musicians, chefs, you know, art takes on a variety of forms. And not just talk to them about what people might expect in their craft, but the story behind why they do what they do or what led them to creating uh, their work or even what led them to uh, doing something different in a different season of life. Because I find that there's a lot of great people doing great things, but a lot of times we want to 
listen to or watch or participate um, with the people that we can resonate with. And so if we don't know the story behind the why, uh, it makes it harder to do that. And and that's why I always encourage, especially young people like yourselves that think, oh, we don't need another fill in the blank. We, <laughs> we don't need another podcast or we don't need another author. Well, we do because no one's ever done what they're doing with the experience that you have. And you never know who that's going to touch. So uh, I, I just like to consider myself a storyteller. And I have the uh, fortunate ability to be able to do that across a variety of mediums, uh, mostly video and, and broadcast TV, but also uh, through online content as an author. And most importantly, as a, a wife and a mom. 100%. And I love how, uh, as you mentioned, you've been able to interview so many people. Uh, talk to us as abounders. And I mean, I'm taking this a little selfishly as myself and David. I would love to learn more about your skill and how you interview people. But I do know many others, even though they're not in uh, the media fields. Again, as you said, communication is so important. So what are some of the ways that you found that has been um, helpful to kind of draw questions to ask people and get them talking about their story? Give us some tips about interviewing. Sure. And I will say it is important because a conversation is an interview, right? Whether you're talking to your grandfather or whether you're in a, a job interview, hopefully we become better listeners than we are speakers in some ways, right? We always, the old adage of God gave us two ears and one mouth, you know, we should be listening twice as much as we're speaking. And so I think when we're interviewing, again, the goal is to relate and uh, to listen and to understand rather than being understood. I think too many of us approach interviews and conversations in general with the goal of, I need you to understand me, as opposed to how can I help understand you and what you're going through? Uh, and I would suggest don't try to look to bring someone onto your team, right? It's not an interview <laughs> to whether it's, uh, and I'm speaking metaphorically, right? It's not, I'm not speaking just as a, as a, a job team, but it's not like, how can I convince you to believe what I believe? That's not a good interview. A, a good interview is exactly what you're just saying, Abe, is to be a little selfish and say, gosh, this is something I don't understand. This is something I've never had experience with. You're someone who I've never, you know, I've never gotten to travel to this place where you were born, or I've never gotten to sit down with someone that's the nationality that you are, or that's had the work experience. So help me to understand you. And when you start an interview or a conversation with the goal of relationship and relating, then regardless of whether or not you agree with that person or regardless of whether or not you've ever been to that place or done that thing, there's a human tie that, that happens. And I think it does become spiritual, uh, because then we realize, oh, we are all created in God's image. We are just people. And so we can get beyond the surface. And so I, I like to start with finding one thing. You know, there was, um, if I can, kind of go on a side story here. I, I had a, a pastor in, in Florida, actually, um, whose wife was just, she still is an amazing mentor to me. And she seemed on the surface to get along with everyone. And as someone that came to Christ in their 20s, and as I mentioned, was a lawyer's daughter, justice is really big to me, even though I'm talking about <laughs> 
a lot of ways I've tempered my personality, ways I've learned to soften myself. I am very big on fairness, justice. You know, if, if it's here, you know, if you do this and I do this, et cetera, et cetera. And there was a point in my, I would say probably late twenties, maybe early thirties where her kindness actually bothered me. And what I mean by that is that she was very close with me, but she was also very close with people that I did not get along with. And it really bothered me because I couldn't figure out how she could love me as much as I genuinely believe she loved me. But she also loved these other people as much. And they had wronged me. They had wronged a friend of mine. I didn't really like their personality. Like there was just a lot. I'm being very, very candid right now, right? I'm being... And so one, at one point I finally went up to her after church one day and said everything I just said to you. Like, how do you, I don't get it. How can you love me and love them? And she said, it's easy. I'm like, please do tell. <laughs> Share with me how easy it is. She said, I can find one thing that I like or at least appreciate about everyone that I meet. And it's exactly what I was saying. It doesn't mean we have to be best friends. It doesn't mean we're having dinner together every Sunday night. But I can find one thing and then I focus on that one thing. And then hopefully that brings me to something else and you build from that. And so that would be my advice is, is just find one thing. And sometimes it's as easy as, Hey, Abe, your glasses are, are so cool. Where did you get those? Or, you know, David, like, I just love your style. Like just the way that you, you know, it's just something that it may seem superficial. But it just shows someone that, I mean, I'm superficial in the sense, like it may be a surface level, um, you know, you're noticing something physical or, oh, your eyes are so, you know, amazing, whatever it is. But it, it sets the, the tone off and it lets someone know that you're noticing them. And isn't that what we all want? We just want to be noticed and, uh, and appreciated. And so you don't know where that conversation can go, but it's not coming into a conversation saying, Oh, I'm so busy and I'm so tired and I'm, you know, basically communicating I'm more important than you. And why haven't you noticed these things about me? So I think we can all set the tone, both not only in our nonverbals and our posture with how we, you know, approach a conversation or an interview, but also by doing what, what David, you know, you did and say, Hey, I, I didn't know that you got a master's degree and. Just that one thing allows me to start talking about not just my education. It talks, allows me to talk about my daughter because that's where she happens to be going to school. It happens, allows me to talk about my insane love of all things sports, especially UNC basketball and growing up as a Chicago girl and, you know, and my love for Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And, and you just said one thing, right? And that opens up all these things that maybe hopefully you and I can relate to on some level. No, that is really cool. Um, I really appreciate that. And just seeing how you um, interacting with you at Apex, how you find things about um, other people and finding things that are uh, interesting. So yeah, I really appreciate that. So uh, you also mentioned during your talk at Apex, how uh, it is important to find some of these skills that are um, unique to you. And like you said, right? Uh, we should, or you encourage people to do their podcasts, to write, to have their voice because it's from their perspective. Um, has there been anything as you've kind of gone on your journey and done um, so many different cool things, uh, has there been something that you found that has been helpful for you 
to discover what you're specifically good at, some of the skills that like connect with people. And once again, we've been able to interview the other uh, Apex speakers. It's really cool to see how they kind of uh, find their uh, find their groove, find their skills, what God has given them along the way. Uh, what about for you? What would you say to those listening? Yeah, there's there's something that I've developed called the cycle of authenticity, and it it really helps people take it's the nature nurture in a sense, you know, who they were born to be, right? Things that you'll you'll hear it all the time. You'll you'll meet a musician and they'll say their parents will say they were banging on drums from the time that they were one or they were taking spoons and turning them into guitars as a baby. Or I just heard a, an interview with the Ravens kicker, uh, who, you know, they said, you know, when he was six, he was, you know, like, huh, I wonder if I can kick this football through a, a tree branch that's shaped like a Y, right? There, so there's, there's some of that where it just seems like, wow, they seem like they were born to do this. And then you meet other people. Um, you know, my husband, for example, that's made his life as a touring musician, he didn't pick up a guitar or a bass until he was in high school, uh, which seems really late to, <laughs> to be doing that. Um, but I think hopefully when you really become, uh, where you find that passion that becomes a profession is where those overlay of there's something I've always been interested in, fond of, had an affinity for, had a talent for. And then as I've met people that I really gravitate towards, and as I've gone through school, I've, I've learned that I'm good at that. You know, for example, I've applauded you guys for your, <laughs> your, your skills in media. Like I hate editing. I just hate editing and I work in video and I have to edit a lot of video and I just don't love it. And I was asking my husband for help. He's like, this is so cool. This is so fun. This is such a neat creative work. And I was like, Oh dear God, shoot me now. I just, it, it doesn't, it, and that doesn't mean we always get to do things that are fun, right? Just like I was telling my daughter as a freshman, she's like, this is hard. I'm like, yes, <laughs> worthy things and worthwhile things are hard. Um, but as you do more of those things, you realize like, where has God given me, you know, my talents to pursue? And what are things that, you know, if it's going to take me 20 hours to edit a video and I could pay someone to do it in two hours, that's that's worthwhile. Like that's worthwhile so that I can spend more of my time doing what God has really created me to do. And I think that just comes from practice, right? You don't know that until you do that. But I think some of that is really, um, you know, one of my spiritual mentors said, I, I had access to the best teachers in the world. I was like, wait, you didn't grow up with a lot of means. You didn't, you know, how did you do that? She goes, I read their books. I read their stories. I listened to interviews. I did. So we don't always have the access that we think we have, or we may not have the finances or the resources. But the more that you read about people's stories and then actually learn from that, uh, I think that helps people discover who they are as well, right? Kind of like what I was saying before of just of just starting. You you begin to see um, what is it that I gravitate toward, and what is it that people tell me I'm good at. I think that's a, a worthwhile. If there's people that you love and respect that compliment you and say, "Wow, no one can do this like you do," or "No one paints like." 
you don't just have a gift for painting. You can um, put colors together in a way I've never seen. Well, then maybe it's not just you become a painter. Maybe you become a graphic designer. Or maybe you do interior design. Maybe you, right? Because sometimes the things we love to do don't make us money. Let's be real. <laughs> so sometimes there's that, you know, we have to, we have to use our gifts to help make us money while we're discovering what it is that we want to do that feeds our soul as well. So there's a little bit of give and take, but um, if I could say any of that, it would be just start. Um, I think I may have even said it unbound. Someone suggested I do a podcast over a decade ago and I let the negative voices say, God, how am I going to do that? I can't just do that with my phone. Well, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert, you can just do a podcast with your phone. Like it's, it, you know, it might not sound as good as it's sounding right now, but you can. And I think for those of us that have the paralysis of analysis, where I can't tell you how many websites I've almost started that I haven't because I didn't get the color scheme right. And because I didn't know what font to use on the title. And because I spent too much time on, you know, name checker trying to figure out which iteration of the domain to buy. And then it's like, uh, it just, it stole the joy, right? Like I just, I gave up. And so if you want, if you think you want to write, start writing. And then be vulnerable enough to let someone read it and say, would you read this for content? Let someone else read it for editing, for punctuation, you know, and just say, like, is there something here? And I think, you know, my book even is a is a perfect example of the book that I wrote started out as a children's book that started out of a really what I thought was a failing parenting moment I had years ago. And it developed, I talked to someone I knew that was in publishing. She said, I think there's legs to this. I want to introduce you to an agent. The agent actually ended up introducing me to another agent because they felt like they weren't the right ones. That agent said, this is good, but I think it should be a nonfiction book, not a children's book. So really from the time where I feel like God kind of downloaded this fable into my head um, to the time where the book came out, there was probably seven years in between all of that, of just working through those different iterations of things. So you don't know until you start. And if you're open to things not looking the way that you think they're going to look or sound or come about, uh, you could be pretty successful. You just never know. Hmm. Yeah, that is that 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 will preach right there for sure. I uh <laughs> there's there's a quote that I don't know uh I don't know who to attribute it to that runs along those lines that is uh comparison is the thief of joy. Uh in that I think especially in the social media age, especially for those of us who are young people, we'll see uh, just like the 1% of the 1% of young people who are just doing these incredibly amazing things uh, and are just able to accomplish so much. And it seems like they're doing exactly what they're meant to be doing. And then we can just end up looking at our long lives and going, well, how in the world am I supposed to get there? How how do I do that? And it's uh, comparing our journey to someone else's journey isn't fair to either people involved. And it's ultimately a matter of finding where God has gifted you and uh, how you can be a, be faithful in where he's placed you and what he's given you. Yeah. You said that so well. Comparison is a thief and I, it's weird. Social media can be great and it can be so toxic. And I mean, 
I don't know about you. I try to be very real on any social media I am, but I'm still also going to not put like awful photos of myself and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, there's just certain things I, I do try to cry a lot because I, I think that sometimes we just have to, I don't think it's fair if I only show the good and not the bad, uh, at the same time, it's not running a 24 seven camera of my life. I don't think anyone wants that. But there has to be that balance. Unfortunately, a lot of people, especially those that have millions of followers, aren't showing even a portion of the hard. And it's interesting. My my daughter, as I mentioned, is a first year student and uh, she's taking a course ironically called College Thriving and kind of the subtle joke in our, our you know, in our conversations has been like, I don't think I'm college thriving. <laughs> I, don't think, I might get an A in the course. I don't know if I'm going to pass the actual, you know, to life. say I'm thriving in college hmm. life. Yeah, hmm. the life uh, <laughs> result. And she said one of the videos she had to watch was of seniors who said, like, if I look back on my freshman year, I was so lost. I was comparing myself. Like, for some reason, everyone thinks that everyone else has got it together. Right. Everyone think, and especially as a freshman in, in college, whether you're in at a university or anywhere else, there's this expectation. See, like I'm great and put on the school colors or put, you know, like you have to you go back for homecoming. We're recording this in October. There's a lot of homecomings going on. So you go back to your old high school and you want to prove that you either did what you said you were going to do or prove the teacher wrong that said you couldn't do what you said you were going to do or whatever it is. And in that, you fail to realize that, like, I don't have, not only do I not have to have it all together, it's okay to say I don't have it all together. And she said all of these videos she watched with these seniors, none of them were really um, content, I guess, for lack of a better word, their freshman year. It doesn't mean you can't be, but a lot of them were struggling. And she's like, but I'm looking at all these freshmen and everyone is acting like they're not struggling. So why can't we be honest? Why can't we be more truthful? And I would just encourage anyone listening, one, wherever you are, just don't be afraid to ask for help, first of all. Uh, and that's why it's important to do whatever it is you feel like you need to do because people need to to hear and see the struggle, right? I think, you know, I was asking the guys, how are they so good at what they're doing? And I think it was Abe, you know, he said failure. Like I've learned how to, you, you know, you fall for, you fail forward as John Maxwell would say. Um, you do something wrong and then you get up and you figure out how to do it. Uh, but the other is to just realize if you can stop. And again, if I can be really candid in, in my um, last counseling session that I had with my therapist, I even said to him, I'm like, I feel like something's wrong with me right now. And I'm a pretty confident woman that loves the Lord, that has a lot going for me. And I just said, like, I feel like something's wrong for me, wrong with me. And he said, okay, thank you for being vulnerable. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, that's a lie. So what I need you to do is write down all the things you know to be true about yourself, right? So this is this is someone that, again, I'm seeking therapy, right? I'm seeking a good Christian counselor that can, that can talk to me honestly and mirror back to me the truth. This might just be something that you ask a friend to do. But he said, I need you to write down the things you know to be true about yourself. And he started listing. He said, you're kind. You're true to your word. You're a good mother. You you care about people that are less fortunate than you. You know, and it was just different. And I'm not saying all that to, but you know, what are the things that when it's dark? And I'm look, I'm gonna preach on something else. Like there is something that happens when the sun goes down, people. Like my mom always used to joke and say, nothing good happens after midnight. 
There is something that happens when the sun goes down that makes it harder to believe the best about ourselves and others. I don't know what it is. It just is. And so I would encourage everyone to make that list, whether it's about you or whether it's about someone like for me, I'm making that list about my spouse as well, (laughs) because it's harder for me to believe that they're for me and not against me when we're in an argument or when it's dark outside or when it's late at night and I'm tired or I'm hungry or, you know, list any other condition that's not optimal in those times. So that in the moments when things are tough, I can then go to that list and look at what I wrote in the truth, in the light when things were good. And so that's something that I think we all need to do for ourselves, whether it's in business, whether it's in our spiritual journey, whether it's in friendships, take the time when you are feeling good, when you are feeling optimistic, when you are, you know, in a healthy spot. And, and look at those goals and make those lists about yourself. Make those lists about Jesus, you know, when, cause there's times when it's like, God, are you out there? Like if I, I've asked this, I would imagine most of us have asked the question, like, if God is real, then why does fill in the blank happen? Right. We've all had that moment. So in the times when things are and good is such a ubiquitous term, but in the, in the moments when things are hopeful, in the moment when the light is out, make those terms about who God is and who you are in his image and who you know yourself to be so that when the darkness inevitably comes, you can then turn to that. And even if you don't feel it, this is what I need you to hear. Even when you don't feel it and even when you don't believe it, especially when you don't believe it. You speak those words out loud because I've read and I believe there is something about saying it out loud, not just reading it, not just thinking it, but saying it out loud. There's something powerful when we speak the truth, not just over ourselves, but over others that helps us to stand firm, not only in our faith, but in the foundation that God has created us to stand in, that helps us to regulate um, our hearts, regulate our breathing <laughs> and bring us back to the place that we need to be in. I may have gone far off of that that question, but I just felt no, like someone needed to hear that. That was today. amazing. No, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, everyone. David here with a brief break in the conversation to want to let you guys know about a really cool program that Unbound has now called Cohorts. Uh, If you haven't heard about it before, Cohorts is a month-to-month program that Unbound runs where we dive deep into some uh, topics and some books and just generally give you some resources to help you to think deeper about the world around you and get interested in some topics. So uh, actually for the November cohort, uh, we're going to be looking at the soundtrack spoke by John Acuff. So if you would like to learn more about Cohorts, what the Uh, all is included in the subscription and what all you can gain from it. Make sure to check it out at beunbound.us slash cohorts. Now, back to the episode. Yeah. Uh, I think um, one other question that um, you, I think you touched on a little bit in what you were saying there, uh, and it's actually something that uh, for those of you who are are going through or have gone through Unbound's Navigate class that we talk about a lot is um, you, especially this is also something you talked about in your Apex session, you encourage people to set specific goals to, to try to achieve great things, but not to hold tightly to the end result 
of setting those goals. And so that's something that we talk about in Navigate, which is uh, don't pick a destination, pick a direction to go in. And so I, I would just love to hear more of your perspective on that specifically. Uh, how is, do you say, is a good way to find a balance between sticking to your goals, but also adapting to life's challenges and being flexible in that at the same time? Yeah, that's such a good question, David. And it's, you know, I wish I had a, you know, here is the ultimate answer, <laughs> right? But I think the, the easy way to start is to take the goal and then break it down into bite-sized pieces. You know, I think, uh, you know, like I, I can't remember who said it, but what's the best way to eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time, right? There's, 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 you can't tackle these things without having miniature goals, not only just so that they become attainable, but also so that you can measure them because a goal that doesn't have an actionable measurement is going to be really hard to achieve. And so I think at Unbound uh, or at Apex, sorry, I use the example of writing a book. You know, for example, I, I had to write 60,000 words. That's a lot of words. I mean, even for those of us <laughs> that love to talk and love to write, that's a lot of words, especially when you have to do that in three months. Well, what does that look like? Okay, well, that's 20,000 words a month. So if I'm working five hour or five days a week for four weeks, that becomes, you know, 5,000 words a day if I want to do that. So, okay, well, that's, I don't know if I just did the math right there, 5,000 words a week, sorry, 5,000 words a week. And then that becomes a thousand words a day, you know, so you, it's like, well, that's doable. But if I just say I have to write 60,000 words by the end of the year, and I don't ever put a measure on that, all of a sudden it's going to be New Year's and I'm going to say, Oh, I'm, I'm in trouble, right? <laughs> There's no way I can do that or do it well. I could maybe do it. I couldn't do it well in that short amount of time. So I think the first thing is to say one question, your why, why do you want to reach this goal? And what do you want to do on the other side of your goal? And that's something I didn't get to talk about so much at Apex is, is it because it's expected of you? You know, I, I told you earlier about like it was expected that I go to grad school. Is it just because it's expected of you? Because if it's a goal that someone else is putting on you that you're adopting, that's going to be harder to accomplish, right? That it's probably going to be harder for you to get there. Um, so why are you wanting to do it? And what do you hope to see as a result of the goal? Because then that's going to be more of that motivational force. Because if it's to get your bachelor's degree so that you can be, you know, go on to get your medical degree or so, right? Is it a stepping stone? Because sometimes, like we said, sometimes the goals themselves aren't always pretty or fun, but they're a necessary means to an end. Um, but when you can, when you can have those, that helps you to achieve. The other is to make sure that you enlist the right people to help you. And so some of these things you're not going to be able to do yourself, right? Especially when you're in in school, right? Or you're in a program to learn something you don't know, that's why you're there, right? And it's so easy, especially for the younger generation to get frustrated, like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, you're not supposed to know what you're doing. You're 20. <laughs> like, that's the whole point. Like, and even if you know a little bit, hopefully you'll know more. Most of us didn't know what we were doing in general at 20, much less in our field of study or our, our profession. So the point is, how can, who is someone around me that I can, can tap into to help me reach my goals? And that helps for two things that, that helps for, um, accountability, but also for proficiency. 
And so if you don't put anyone in your circle that can tell you, hey, you need to tweak this or you might be doing this wrong. Can you imagine like if I was writing a book in, let's say I was writing a book and I wrote it in French and the book needed to be in English and I write 60,000 words and someone's like, oh, sorry, I thought you knew it was supposed to be in English, but I didn't put anyone in along the way to check me. That would be really frustrating, right? If I learned how to edit videos on a Mac and realize, oh, sorry, our TV station only works in, I don't even know what else that's it's so sad, but do you know, you know, if we only, or, you know, you learn how to do something on one program on Quark and it's like, no, I need logic. I need, so when you have people along the way, it gives you accountability both to make sure that you're doing things the right way, but also to help with your proficiency and, and, you know, your skill level and your skill set. So, I think those are a couple ways to make sure that you're, you're going about it the right way and making sure that, um, you're, you're on the right path. You know, when you want to kind of reach that milestone and then at the same time have the accountability and also the celebration along the way. It's okay to celebrate at 20,000 words, even though you're not at 60,000, because that motivation is going to help you get to that, whether it's weight loss or, you know, Hey, let's have a, let's celebrate the end of the semester. I always, our kids, we always go out to, uh, I love when I'm, I'm doing things with my hands and I can't, I feel like I'm playing a bad game of charades on the audio podcast, but like <laughs> the Japanese steakhouse where they're flipping, you know, they're oh, doing yes, all the like hibachi the, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Like hibachi. Thank you. Hibachi. Um, that's become our little thing at the end of every semester. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that even into their teens and into college, they're like, Oh, are we going to hibachi? You know, after finals, I'm like, sure, let's go to hibachi. We don't know how the finals did. Right. But you got through finals. <laughs> you know, it's not like if you get all A's, we're going to hibachi. It's like, no, you did what you set out to do. The result is now out of your hands, but we still need to celebrate. And I think sometimes we're afraid to celebrate. Uh, the small wins or at least the small accomplishments. And I would venture to say, if we don't do that, then we, you know, are robbing ourselves from propelling us to even greater things. That is such a good point. Learning to celebrate. Um, that kind of hit a chord for me. I know that's something I need to work on. Uh, I do fall into the whole perfectionistic, like, oh, this has to be good. And if you're not there yet, you just kind of get depressed. I, I don't know about you, Sammy, but I, I do know that me and a lot of the other media people, we face this and it's just something to to learn. And, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. And I will, let me add one thing since you, thank you for admitting that, Abe. I, I too, I'm a perfectionist. I, uh, I'm very type A. I have been told I may have some control issues. So we're just working on that. That's a, that's a separate thing. But it's interesting. My my crew, my director, my producer on the show, you know, will inevitably ask because I, I told you all, I, I'm known as the one take wonder. I pretty much do things live. Even if I'm doing live to tape, I really do pride myself on being able to do one and done. And for most of what I do, I don't get to go back and edit but usually like for the, like this, I would imagine this show, like, you know, for the intro and outro of my TV show, that's just me. So technically I could edit that if I wanted to. And they used to say, Hey, how does that feel? Do you want to do it again? And it never feels, I shouldn't say never, rarely does it feel great. Like usually <laughs> I'm going to be able to tell you, Oh, I chewed that word or I paused here too long or I felt like my hands were, you know, going all over the place and I couldn't control them. And. 
finally, one of the, the higher ups in the, the station was there one day and he said, Sammy, no one is going to notice 97% of the things that you notice that you think are wrong. They're hearing, they're hearing the overall message. They're seeing your smile. They're tuning in because they like how they feel after listening to you or after watching you. They're not going to notice that you pronounce tomato, tomato. You know, it, it, it's just not a thing. So by you hyper focusing on those things and wanting to redo it, it's actually going to take away from the natural ease that you had when you did it in the first place. And and it's actually, you know, I, I always say I'd like to, I don't have a hair, you know, someone that does my hair or my makeup on the show. I'm just, I'm kind of the every woman. And they're like, they say, if you're trying to really relate to your audience member, why are you trying to achieve perfection when that's not who you are? And that's not who you want to tell them that that's who they need to be. So sometimes it takes those people just, you know, <laughs> helping you practice what you preach and, and realizing that. People aren't doing what we do half the time because they don't, they don't want to or they don't know how and they appreciate us doing it. Right. So we have to lean into that. hundred percent, hundred percent. So on that, uh, as we wrap up this episode, um, so many good thoughts. I wanted to very much turn it to you and ask you, uh, as you watch your own journey and you watch other young people, whether your own kids or like unbounders, other people, what is something, what's the question that you wish uh, us kids will be asking more? What's a question that you're like, huh, this is what they should be thinking about that maybe we just don't think about as much? What would you say? You know, my my first response to that would just, I wish people would ask the question more, how can I help you? I think we assume so much about others. And as a woman now that is almost 50, I I wish that I had laid aside some of the assumptions that I had made about others. I, I kind of mentioned that in our, that conversation about my pastor's wife, about, you know, the fairness, the equity to this. I'm learning now that I don't have the answers. I will never have all the answers. God did not make us to have all the answers. And I think if we can just lay aside some of those preconceived notions and say, how can I help you? Anyone that's ever done a missions trip, anyone that's ever volunteered, I think we find when we do those things, we often benefit more than the people that we are serving. And so if you can humble yourselves to not only say, how can I serve you? How can I help you? But then also ask yourself the question, what would it mean and what would it look like for me to receive help? Because our pride gets in the way. So we have to lay down the assumptions, but also lay down our pride because we're afraid that if we admit we need help, then we're not as good at all these things we're trying to be good at, right? And that's part of when you're, especially, I mean, I've, I don't know if I've ever met such a driven and entrepreneurial group as I did at Apex. It's really admirable. At the same time, you guys could pick up that moniker and run with it and be like, wow, Sammy told me we were really good at this. And so I can't admit that I'm not good at something because that's going to change her vision of me. And really the opposite is true. When you're willing to say, you know, as I told you all, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm proud to say that I'm a skilled interviewer. I really do believe that. There's other things I'm really not good at. And I'm okay to, to say that. For instance, you know, even when people were wanting to advertise on my website and someone would say, 
oh, I, I want to buy a banner ad on your website. And as someone that had a website before anyone really knew that blogs could be a business back in the early 2000s, there was part of me that really wanted to say, yes, please give me money to put, <laughs> to put something on my blog. But in my core, I'm like, that's not what's going to be a good return on their investment. I do well when I get to tell a story. I do well when I get to write pieces over a period of a few months. I, so to just have that, I might have gotten a quick dollar, but I probably would have lost a longtime partner. And so they could have looked at me and thought like, well, she's dumb. She's not taking money or she's, you know, she's admitting she doesn't get as much traffic as someone else or she, you know, fill in all the blanks. But for me, I found that in admitting what I'm not good at, but then infusing it with, but here is what I am good at, or here's where I can serve you, right? That's to me, it's, it's serving someone. Then whether or not they choose to work with me or not, I still have my integrity at the end of the day. And I know that I've served them well. So I think if everyone listening could just say, go out and say, how can I serve you? You're going to be able to learn about not just your audience or your friend group or your town, you know, you, you get to know about the world at large when you start reaching out to individuals in your community that maybe you might not otherwise associate with. And that might just sound like, well, that's a bucket of volunteering. No, I would say that that's how you're going to meet someone or have the opportunity to learn about someone else that's actually going to help you learn more about yourself. So I think if you can posture yourself to be that, that learner and then to take the extra step and not just like I'll do so often, take notes feverishly at a conference and then throw the notebook aside as soon as I'm back and never look at it again, but actually have those conversations and then go back home and reflect or have that mission experience and then go back home and reflect at what you wrote in your journal or actually follow up when you meet someone at, at an event and say, oh, let's keep in touch. You know what? Actually keep in touch. You know, I will. And here I'll call everyone. I don't know if I've heard back from anyone at Apex that I said I was willing to help. And I'm not saying and I and I say that just in honesty of there were people that approached me and asked for help and I'm willing to help. Um, and that could be they got busy. Someone could have lost my email. Someone could, you know, all those things could happen. But don't be afraid to follow up both with whoever you're working with, but also with yourself. Make those appointments with yourself. Put it on your calendar if you have to, to actually say, this is important enough for me to not cancel because we know like if we, I'm not going to cancel this podcast. Well, I did delay the podcast because I went on a cruise. I did, but I'm here. I'm here. Right. But we won't cancel when it comes to other people, but we're really quick to cancel on ourselves. And I find that so interesting that if we can't value ourselves enough to do what we know is important for us, what makes us think that anyone else is going to to listen to us or want to partner with us when we aren't putting that same value on ourselves. So that's my soapbox. <laughs> well, I think it was a very worthwhile soapbox uh, <laughs> for you to get onto because uh, that was very, very helpful. And uh, it's a perspective that I think, uh, especially those of us in our community will very much appreciate. And uh, I think that uh, just about everybody listening uh, will, I think along with uh, Abe and myself very much have appreciated this episode. And so uh, Sammy, for those who might be curious to learn more about you and the different things that you do uh, as we wrap up today,
today. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, give us some resources of where we can uh, see and hear more from you if you would like. You're so kind. Uh, my home base is sammycone.com. That's S-A-M-I-C-O-N-E.com. Uh, you can find me on most socials at the Sammy Cone, not because I think I'm the only one. There was actually another Sammy Cone somewhere when I got back on Twitter back in the 2009. Uh, but the Sammy Cone on socials, uh, the Sammy Cone show, you can watch from anywhere online. You can go to, uh, again, the Sammy Show.com or just my website. And my book is called Raising Uncommon Kids. And I know even if you are still a kid yourself, uh, I say it's a 12 step book, uh, for helping to raise more compassionate human beings. And it's based on 12 characteristics I took out of Colossians three. And so it's a really, uh, it, there is that parenting bend to it, but I think it's a good mirror for us all to look in about how we should, uh, uh clothe ourselves. If you all remember that, that section of Colossians three. So that's just a little piece of me, uh, out there. And, and thank you so much for asking. Yeah. Well, and thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing some of your time with us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a joy. Thank you all. And with it, guys, I do hope you are asking these questions that Sammy just talked about. Um, being able to look at ourselves and see what God is doing in our own lives. I highly recommend that you go check out uh, Sammy, more of her uh, information, her daily dash, and her books, all these different things at sammycone.com. That is sammycone.com. We will find a lot more information there. Please do check her out. So thank you all so much for tuning in with us this week. Next week coming up, we are going to be having an episode of our talk series where I get to sit down with some of the members of our staff. And next week, we're going to be having a really interesting conversation about quiet quitting and some of our takes on that. So if you would like to listen into that episode, make sure to come right back here next week and join us for that conversation as well. So thank you all once again for listening in. As always, be unbound.